0: we're going to be in colossians chapter 3 we'll be working through verses 20 and 21 um, but we're 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 kind of going off of verse 17 which i want to read for you again which says and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him so the apostle paul is saying this he's saying now that you know the gospel Now that you know what Jesus has done for you on the cross, now that you understand uh, who he is, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do everything from here on out, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so that's Paul's kind of launching verse for us. This everything that we do. And so he's gone through uh, wives and husbands, helping them understand how they are to uh, be within the context of their marriage. We've talked for a couple of weeks about the authority in the home, that God does not leave us to ourselves, but he has placed all of us under authority. Every single one of us is under authority by God's uh, ordination. God has determined that all of us, in some way or another, uh, will be under authority. In the home, the husband is to lead, but it's not to lead in the way that our uh, world thinks of it, if you think of the word submission and you cringe, which most women probably do today, what you should know is this, is that your role is to look to your husband for his leadership, to try to honor him in every way possible, but then to uh, have a husband who's loving you, who's loving you, and that's the way that he leads. He leads you by serving you, And so it's leadership that's been turned on its head um, according to the world. But according to God, it happens in a different way. So we've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. Verse 20 says this, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Verse 21, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, uh, if uh, if there's one verse as a child that I hated... It was verse 20, and I I hated it for good reason. I I could not stand that verse. Like, uh, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I I just, I could not stand that verse and didn't want anything uh, to do with it. And obviously, I was an unruly child and had lots of problems and so forth, and so that was was my issue. But growing up, uh, the idea of obeying my parents was not a, a great thing. It was not something that I really looked forward to. Uh, Now that I'm a parent, it is my life verse. All right, it is uh, it is what I I look to as it is my hope and my you know my everything when I wake up. And uh, actually, we we actually need to talk about this verse more with our with our kids. But they're just kind of coming to the age where they're beginning to understand some of these things. I want to talk to you today about what this looks like in the home. There's two things that the apostle Paul says here again. Uh, Paul is very brief in his descriptions here of what he wants to say to us. He says children should obey their parents. It's, it's, it's in part to kids, but it's in part to parents, because obviously we have uh, small children who don't quite understand things yet, and so what Paul is telling us vicariously through this verse is that children should be expected to obey both parents. But then the second thing he's going to say is he's going to say that parents, or I'm sorry, uh, fathers specifically, should not parent in such a way as to cause their children to become angry. Fathers should not parent in this way. Now, uh, through some reading and so forth, I was reminded that. Uh, perhaps in the 50s, and, and so for some of you uh, remember that year you were alive around then, and so you, uh, you remember uh, throughout the 50s and perhaps even earlier, but, uh, but men in, in many ways uh, were uh, perhaps uh, colder than they are today. They were less involved with children. Uh, one commentary or book that I read uh, said that men didn't often speak to children. There was a cold relationship, um, the children were raised by mom. And so as far as it went with dad, dad was there for perhaps taking the children out to the woodshed and giving them the uh, proverbial uh, lashing. And, but that was it. That was dad's involvement with their life. But the Apostle Paul is saying here, he's saying that that is an unbiblical model, that, that both parents are here to lead their children. But specifically, when we're talking to men Men are are involved in this relationship as well, and they are not to parent in such a way as to anger their children. And furthermore, to not drive them to resent them, or to resent that type of leadership in the home, which is obviously something that can happen quite often. Um, Men sometimes can respond in anger, um, and this is more stereotypical, and so this may not be true of you, but it possibly could be that you as a, as a man become inconvenienced and you say, I'm frustrated with the situation and so I need to take care of things and I'm supposed to discipline and children are supposed to obey their parents, which means don't irritate me. And, uh, and so then we uh, respond out of that and we discipline. But what ends up happening is that we communicate something which is this, and that is that I um, am in charge here And that when you irritate me, that is when I punish you. That's when you get hit. That's when uh, bad things come come down the line for you. And so uh, our kids are communicated something that is untrue. They're communicated something about God that isn't really true because we stand in the place of God for our kids. We are not God, but we are modeling God to our children. And when you incorrectly model God to your children, what happens is that they will grow up with an incorrect view of who God is. Now, on some level or another, because you are not the perfect father or the perfect mother, you will still give somewhat of a distorted view uh, to your children. But to the degree that we are able, God has called us to parent in such a way that is going to raise our children so that they are able to see and know and feel God and to prepare them to receive correction. Because that is not something that uh, we do very well, is it? I know. I was just thinking uh, even last night, <clears throat> as I look back, over some of my issues as a young man. And one of the things that I realized is that there had been something that I learned as a young child and that was that I should be confident in and of myself. I should be confident and that no one should should uh, be able to tell me how things should work. And really what it was, it was kind of this Americanized um, idea of, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, make it happen. It's kind of entrepreneurial. You know, w- we can do this, fake it till you make it, that kind of a deal. What it, end up, it ended up producing in me was a sort of pride and arrogance that went on through my life and perhaps is is still apparent in my life today in ways that I'm not even aware of right now. But I would say this, that we pick up things from our childhood, and we, when we don't understand, when we're not taught well in various areas, and as I said, no parent is perfect, just like mine weren't perfect. But when we pick those things up, it causes us to live life in such a way where we view God incorrectly, and things happen that don't go well for us. They don't go well for us. I know that with my kids today, um, Chris and I have gone back and forth and back and forth on how to discipline our children. And we actually got to a point uh, where it was like, I mean, the whining was just like, it, it is so irritating. I mean, to have a child like whining and crying and, and things like that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, they're, they're uncomfortable and they, you know, they they're hungry or they have to go potty or, you know, something like that. Um, or they need food and heat, you know, I mean, just weird things like that. And so I'm uh, like, whatever, you know. So we started a new program in our house, which was wedgies for whining. Um, um, if my ears are going to be uncomfortable, then I think your bottom should be uncomfortable. And so we, we started this, and it worked for a while until it became a joke. And then, like, give me a wedgie, Dad. And I was like, that's just weird. Like, i mean, like, who wants that Except other than my, my kids? But, you know, occasionally, you know, uh, we, we try to joke about discipline, uh, which sometimes doesn't work out well on the other side, but, but we try to make light of something, and that is that we're, we're trying to parent in such a way that says, come on, can, can, we, can we try to make things different here? We don't have to be angry all the time, and we don't have to be whining, and I don't need to get upset, so I try to make a joke about it, and, and sometimes that works. Or sometimes I tell them, it, if you do that one more time, I'm going to cut your fingers off. And they, at first, the kids were like, would he really cut my fingers off? And uh, then I, 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 they finally figured, it, Dad, you're just kidding. Well, you just wait and see, son. I mean, and uh, they would, that I didn't, I, I haven't actually followed through with that threat. So um, you'll be glad to know that. But we have tried all different kinds of things. And those are obviously humorous illustrations from that but we we try to do this in such a way that our kids know that we love them and that we care about them and that we want to have relationship with them and that we uh we want to have fun together and we don't want to constantly have this parade of whining and screaming and so forth but at the same time we have not done it correctly all the time and i would say anytime you're going to preach about something uh, specifically, especially something very practical, you can bet that that very practical thing is going to go badly for you the week before. And I will just tell you that this week has been a horrific week for parenting for us. Um, as we have tried to lead our children, um, our children have not wanted to be led, and so we've kicked them out of the house. And it's, it's, it's made things easier for us, and so there's been peace in our home. But again, that, just kidding about that. But Uh, Paul says, children, obey your parents. And so what what I want to communicate real quick here to dads is this, is that if you're a dad and you're in the home, you have leadership over the home. Your leadership extends uh, over your wife and kids, but you're, you're over your wife in a sense that you are there to really be underneath her and serving her. That's your leadership. You're underneath her. You're caring for her. You're honoring her and, and all of those things. When it comes to over your uh, kids and your family and so forth, you're side by side with your wife in that sense, and you're saying, I am, I am here with you and for you, and we're going to parent these children together. But often what happens is that we're harsh, we're unfair, uh, sometimes we're unjust, We just get upset because things are happening. And so guys, you need to hear. And I am talking to every guy in this room. I'm talking to single young men. Um, I'm I'm talking to guys that don't have kids yet. Uh, Dudes, you need to hear me on this because you need to prepare yourself to have children. Odds are you will have children. Even if you can't have children, you may have them through adoption as well. Or you'll have people around you with kids. And so you need to understand this. You need to understand what your role is in the midst of this, to parent your children with your wife and to not be disconnected from them. But what happens is we end up being unfair, harsh, excessive. um, And what takes place is that our kids are then in this place of resentment towards us and towards our leadership in the home. Both mom and dad can do this. There can be two different things that happen, and this is probably more my propensity, and that is that I live out of idolatry. I have these things in my life that I worship. The goal is to be worshiping God and Him alone, but ultimately, oftentimes, what we end up doing is we end up worshiping other things. We are all worshipers. Whether you know this or not, you're very religious. You're just religious sometimes about the wrong things. Or perhaps you came in today and you said, I don't have any kind of a religion. But the truth is you're actually worshiping and serving something. The thing that makes you uh, the most happy or the most sad is often an indicator to you as to what you are worshiping. In my own life, I I find myself worshiping idols all all the time out of fear. I end up finding myself fearing man and, and his approval. I find myself fearing uh, the, the idea of, of comfort. I want comfort. I want to be left alone in my easy chair without the noise of screaming while I watch the news. I, I want the security of knowing that my children are not going to run off and do crazy things. And so I, I look for this security in, con, in controlling them. But then I also look to just simply control them because I'm dad and I'm bigger. And so there's this idolatry that happens in my life. And perhaps if you're on the other side, maybe if you're mom, you might act the way that I do or or you may operate in another way. Um, and dads can do this as well. You can fear the approval of your kids. And you make that an idol and you bow down and you worship it and you say, I would never want to do anything to upset my kids. And so I fear their future approval. I I, I fear... Uh, the the idea of comfort and it is uncomfortable for me to discipline right now because it just makes things unhappy and they're gonna be screaming if I have to spank them or they're gonna be whining because they want to you know use the iPad or they want to watch a show or they want to go outside or they want to use that toy and I don't want to deal with that and so I'm worshiping comfort rather the true rather than the true and living God I'm worshiping security, and so I'm, I'm you know, trying to set up all of these things in their life and give them all of these experiences because I want them to be re- really well-rounded so that they succeed in life. Or I, really, I just want to control what's happening here, and my idea of control is to just be passive, is to just be passive. So there's two uh, problems here is that you can go overboard because you're worshiping an idol, or you can go underboard. Perhaps, if that's even a word, uh, it's probably not. But, but you can become very passive through, which, through how you parent because you're worshiping an I- idol as well. But God has a different way. And it's, but it's not a way that we really like to, to look to. God has a different way of parenting that we don't really want to look at. There's so many people today that view discipline within the home as being unfair or even unloving. There's so many people in the world today um, that would say, uh, you know, if you spank your children or if you force them to obey, you're not letting their personality come out and you're not allowing them to become the people who they are. But really, as a Christian, and Christians everywhere, if you are a Christian, you need to subscribe to this idea. It's a theological truth from the scriptures, and that is that every single one of us is born sinful. People don't like the idea of being born sinful. Uh, David says in Psalm 51, he says, surely I was conceived in sin. And what David is saying there is he's saying, "I, I didn't have to go and steal cookies out of the cookie jar before I was sinful. I come out of the womb sinful. I come out of the womb and I'm completely selfish. I'm somebody who's all about me. And you might say, well, that's just a baby and they, they haven't, no one's taught them yet. But that is the definition of sinfulness. The idea of teaching them is an idea that comes from scripture which means this, that we're going to train them, we're going to bring them up, we're going to show them what the right way is. And so what we have to understand here is that none of us is raised with this, per, per, or, or even conceived with this perfect personality that says, I've got this handled, and, I, and, I, and we just need to, you know, if we just uh, let, uh, you know, keep things from the child as far as, you know, not allowing evil into the home, then they'll grow up and they'll be fine, and we'll just kind of hands-off approach to that. So an extreme view in our world today um, sounds like we need to discipline, we need to be the authority in their lives, and people oftentimes reject that. Now, why would they reject that? They would reject it because it's gone sideways before. It's gone sideways, as I said, perhaps in the 50s or whenever that took place, maybe that wasn't true of your home, but let's just say in the past that it's been very true that parents, especially Christian parents, have misunderstood the idea of raising their children. They've misunderstood the idea of children obeying their parents. And so the way that they have uh, raised their children is by being domineering, by controlling their lives and making every decision for them, by being a- extremely harsh towards them. Perhaps you were raised in a home, and some of us would say, uh, we would say, you know, I was, I was, I was, you know, given my licks when I was a kid and it, you know, look at me, I turned out all right. Um, Or some of you would say, you know, I I was given some licks when I was a kid and I was abused. And so you may land on either side of this. But here's the problem is that neither, uh, you know, neither of those responses are really looking to the scriptures, which come from our creator and know how we're wired and understand the inner workings of the human heart better than you and I ever will. That's to avoid that, and that's to look to the world and say, okay, world, what do you think that we should do? Or we might look to ourselves and say, you know, this has been my experience, but the truth is that every single one of us looks through a distorted lens. Every single one of us sees life through a distorted lens that come from our family, and and it affects our future. It affects the things that we're doing. It affects the things that we're a part of. And if you take your experiences from home, whether good or bad, if you take what the world says and and you say, okay, that is going to be my view, the truth is, is this, is that the scriptures communicate to us that that is a distorted view, that's a distorted lens, and you can end up creating situations in your home that are gonna be bad for your kids and bad for you and your wife. It goes without saying that the craziness of home oftentimes causes discomfort in the marriage. The craziness of home with, with uh, <clears throat> how things are taking place, when mom and dad are not in agreement, when, uh, when things are, are going sideways, what happens is this. It puts pressure on your marriage, and it can cause great discomfort. And in fact, I would say this, that uh, it causes discomfort in, in our marriage on a regular basis. Not because we fight all the time, but because it is a regular thing that we have to deal with. Now, my wife and I, for the most part, are always working to get on the same page when it comes to marriage. My wife and I are are always looking to do that. What happens is this, is that when we're not on the same page, things go sideways. Now, I want to say one thing, and that is to our single moms and our single dads who are here today. Some of you who are currently, some of you will be, either through death or through divorce, uh, hopefully not. But what you need to understand is that it, it very well, very possibly, could be extremely difficult for you in the days and years to come. And you, you probably already know this, that it is very difficult right now, especially as a single mom. It becomes very difficult to raise children and to not have this kind of other side of the relationship that was designed to be there. See, when Jesus came to earth, he came and he was full of grace and he was full of truth. Jesus wasn't just grace and Jesus wasn't just truth. Let me illustrate this politically. We talk about politics pretty frequently here. Somebody made mention of it to me the other day. The reason why I say this is because I want you to understand that Jesus isn't calling you to watch Fox News or Jesus isn't calling you to watch CNN. Jesus was neither Republican or Democrat, Jesus was Jesus. And I would say this, that when we're talking about politics and so forth, we need to look directly at Jesus and not at what our party line is on either side of, of what that means. But oftentimes, if you were to take the political parties, you would say that one side um, expresses great grace for all types of people. And you might say, well, I, you know, I, I'm not on that side and, and I express lots of grace. I'm, I'm talking about a stereotype here. There, there's a, a, an idea of permissiveness. There's an idea of love. Well, if it's love, then why should, it be, you know, why should it be wrong? But there's another side, and that side is full of truth, lots of truth. And lot, you know, This is what the law is. Why should they come into our country? They, they came in illegally, and why should that happen? That's not what the law of God says. And so there's grace and truth. Now, the Bible says some things about all of the things that I just mentioned, and I'm not looking to get into those topics right now. If you have a question about that for me, you can come to me afterwards. But what I am saying is this, is that oftentimes there's, <laughs> there's a Republican and a Democrat in a marriage. And what you have is you have grace and truth that need to come together. And they need to get on the same page, but it's not just on their page, but it's on the scriptures, the scriptures page and to say it's not just going to be all about what dad wants, all about truth, or if he's kind of a softy like I am sometimes. You know, it's, it's not going to be all about grace. It's not going to be all about what just mom wants. But it, we're coming together on this. And we are working to parent these children together because God has called us to do so. And so what we need to look at is this. is What is God's purpose for our Relationships in the home. What is God's purpose for the authority within the context of the home? Well, the first thing is this: the the purpose of discipline. That there's got to be discipline within the context of the home because of several different things. Children, like all of us, are inherently sinful. As I said, Psalm fifty-one five: Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. That we are all inherently sinful. And we come out of the womb sinful, and so what needs to happen is that there needs to be some type of training, some type of thing that comes to us and informs us. Furthermore, uh, discipline is not something that children just simply grow out of. Um, I'm sorry, uh, that, that they grow into, or disobedience isn't something that they grow out of. In fact, uh, in Romans 1.30, um, it includes the idea of disobedience to parents And a list of sins, along with slanderers, haters of God, those who are insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, and then disobedient to parents. The Apostle Paul includes that in a list of things that says that this is what it looks like to be a pagan and to avoid God. It is somebody who is disobedient to their parents. It is somebody who, who refuses to listen to uh, to them. It's a mark of the last days or end times or the end of the world as we know. I mean, that, that's what this is. It is 2 Timothy three two. for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. It's a mark of the end. And when you look at disobedience and you say, you know, it's really not that big of a deal, what you're... What you're avoiding is this, is that God has purposes for his people that you're avoiding, and you're allowing sin to uh, root itself in the life of your kids, in the life of your family, and you're going to create many griefs for yourself. Parenting is still filled with all kinds of grief. You can lessen that in the way that you lead in a godly manner. Proverbs 22, 6 Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It is our responsibility. God has put you in place to train your children. If you look at your kids and say, you know, I want their personality to come out, or I want, uh, you know, I just, I, I don't really want to, you know, come down on them all the time. You are avoiding what God would have you do because personality comes out truly in the freedom of holiness in the freedom of children who love and fear God. Deuteronomy six uh, and one through nine. I'm not going to read all of these, but one verse one says this. Now this is the commandment, the statues, statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going, uh, to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God. You and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Verse 6 says this, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Your role is this. It is that you may fear the Lord your God and that you would communicate the fear of the Lord to your children. It's, and that doesn't mean to be afraid of God. It means to respect God. It means to look at him and say, he can do whatever, whatever he wants to with me. So there is a sense of fear in there, but it is, a, it, it is an all-encompassing respect of God. And you are preparing them For God's purposes, when you discipline, when you refuse to discipline, when you refuse to hold the line and say, children should obey their parents. When you don't look at it that way, you are avoiding what God would have you do, which is that you would communicate the fear of the Lord, the fear of God, through your fear of God, by obeying God, what he's called you to do, which is to discipline your kids so that they fear God to teach them God's law, to help them understand, to hold them to that. Ephesians 6, 6 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. He says again in verse 4, like he does in uh, Colossians. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The Apostle Paul is saying again in Ephesians virtually the same thing but he's saying he's adding to it and he's and he's saying from the commandments he's saying that it may go well with you that things are going to go better there is a probability within the context of the life of your children that when they obey you and when you're following Jesus Uh, when you communicate how to follow Jesus to them, it will go well for them. The purpose of discipline is for them to understand the fear of the Lord and to walk with God as they fear Him, as you've communicated that effectively to them. Secondly, the heart of discipline. So the first thing we said is the purpose of discipline. The second thing we're saying is we're talking about the heart of discipline. How do we communicate this in a way that's going to be meaningful? Well, uh, first of all, the heart of discipline is what truly matters to God. If I go to my son and I demand that he obey me, now I've done this before and I've seen the effects. Now there, there are times when they're young kids when we must break their will in essence, that we will not put up with um, defiance. And so I have to break his will in that sense. It doesn't mean that I'm violent with him, but it means I hold my ground and I am the parent and this will happen today. I love you and it's because I love you that I will demand this from you. But what what I'm saying here is this, the heart is what truly matters to God. When you're a parent, you're trying to go from infant through the teen years and into their 20s and what you want to communicate to them is you want them to have a changed heart, not just a changed will. When they're infants and toddlers and and so forth, you're working on changing their will, but you want to get to the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's the seat of the body. It's the heart. You You want to get to them, and you want to get to the heart of the issue. Why is that? Because God isn't looking for just compliant people. You can be compliant on the outside all day long, but you may have a heart that is full of defiance towards God. Some of you are here today and you look on the outside like you're somebody who is very compliant with the things of God. In fact, there are times when all of us do this where we say, ah, I'm doing pretty well. I haven't done that in a couple weeks or I haven't done this or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, reading my Bible or I'm, I'm praying or what, what have you. And so I'm compliant on the outside when inside what's happening is I am defiant towards God. I'm defiant towards him, and I'm defiant towards what he wants from me. And God says this, I don't want you to just honor me with your lips when your heart is far from me. I want you to honor me with your heart. That worship comes from the center of your being, and it comes out towards me. And so what we see from uh, 1 Samuel 16 is, is this, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God is concerned with the heart. Secondly, Uh, bad behavior or disobedience or or defiance is a symptom of a greater problem. Uh, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Mark 7.21, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. The heart is the control center of behavior. We want to get to the heart of our children And so what we have to understand is that behavior comes from the heart. Luke 6, 45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. When we're talking to children and children are, or when we're experiencing our kids and we see defiance, you're not just looking at the outward appearance of our child. The heart is gushing forth their idolatry of self. The heart is gushing forth the idolatry of approval, comfort, security, or control. Remember what I said early on, all of us experience this. All of us are worshipers, and guess what? Our kids are worshipers as well, and guess what? When we see disobedience, it is an expression of the heart the truth of who they are is coming out and they're saying, this is who I am. And so what we have to do is we can't just change the will. If all you do is change the will of your kids, you will have sullen and angry and resentful kids. That's all. So the goal of parenting is to get to the heart of our children, to see them going from a kid whose will has been broken where they're obedient to mom and dad because mom and dad have insisted upon it to somebody who's coming into their own and they're coming to a place of full understanding and their heart is being changed by Jesus. The goal of our parenting is not just to get our kids to say the sinner's prayer, to get them to somehow just say that they're a Christian at some point. There are numerous passages in scripture that would call into question somebody who says, hey, didn't I make a profession of faith at some point in my life? And Jesus is going to say to some of those, depart from me, I never knew you. And I want you to know this, because when our kids grow up and they go off and they do their own thing, and by God's grace, I, I'm, I'm hoping that they don't go off and do their own thing in a, in a pagan way or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm praying and I'm hoping that they follow Jesus. But when that happens, sometimes we have parents that say, you know, I know that he knows. Some of you have said that to me. I don't remember who you are, so I'm not talking about you right now. I know that they've made a decision for Christ, or I know that they prayed a prayer. And so, I, you know, I think we're in the clear. And I would just say this, that when you get to a point where you think that you're in the clear, you're in great danger. Because there will be some on that last day who come and they say, Jesus, didn't I do all of these things in your name? And Jesus is gonna say, depart from me, I never knew you. And why is that? Because God looks at the heart and he's not looking at the outward appearances. And so when you're parenting your kids, let's even just talk about yourself. If you're unwilling to discipline your children, then that is showing something. It's showing that this is an expression of your heart. Your kids, are an expression of you and it's scary because your kids are running around screaming pooping all over the place you do that in other ways right we all do that in other ways our kids are an expression of us they are little robots that we are programming whether we know it or not and we're programming them with what we believe to be true about God and when you refuse to live in such a way that's in the fear of the Lord with a changed heart that says, I am here to fear God. And son or daughter, you must, you must love God. I, I beg you to love him. And I, I don't want to discipline you. I'm not disciplining you because I'm irritated and I'm not disciplining you because I'm, I'm angry, but I'm disciplining you because God has put me here. And I, we need to see your heart changed. And so I want to see your heart changed. We have to do this. We have to understand this. Uh, a book that I really want to recommend to you by Ted Tripp is uh, called "Shepherding a Child's Heart." And I, I really want to encourage you, if you are just having children, or um, or you are um, uh, or you have kids, I want to encourage you to get this book. Uh, some of you guys get it on audio because you'll never read it. Um, but. Uh, But this book is fantastic. This is what Ted Tripp says. He says, um, you must first address the heart. And he says, you must help your child ask the questions that will expose that attitude of the heart that has resulted in wrong behavior. You've got to expose the attitude of the heart. What are you believing that's a lie right now? That the approval of man is what matters most. I desire the approval of my friends and so I entered into this activity or I participated in this thing that mom and dad told me not to. And so what, what we have to expose is not just this anger, how dare you, ah, you know, at, after our children, or I'm going to cut your fingers off, or, you know, weird things like that. you like, we are coming to them and we're, we're saying, what is it that you believed that was a lie? Where does the truth need to be inserted in your life? so that you can see the truth of God over the lie. We're coming alongside of them. We're not beating them over the head, but we're coming alongside of them. He goes on to to say this. How did his heart stray to produce this behavior? In what characteristic ways has his inability or refusal to know, trust, and obey God resulted in actions and speech that are wrong? This is getting at the heart of the issue. Son, daughter, where is your heart? Why do you desire things other than God? Another thing that needs to have. we need to take a step back and we say, how have I communicated to my kids or am I communicating to my children that I fear God in this way and so I want them to do that? Or am I keeping a double standard here? My heart is far from God. My external is all squeaky clean, but I'm expecting them to live in this way. And really what's taking place is, is that what's the truth of us is being translated into the truth of who our kids are. Which, what, what you believe in your heart will be transferred to your kids. In order to get to their heart, your heart's got to be changed in order to see uh, true heart change. We've got to start with the behavior and work back to the heart. As a, as a small child, we're, I'm not having... Logical discussions with uh, my uh, daughter, my youngest daughter, Finley. I didn't forget her name. I was trying to decide which child to pick here. Right? I've got a lot of them. Right? Lay off me. Right. We're not Mormons. We're we're. I mean, we're evangelicals. Children are a blessing. So, uh, I'm not having a logical discussion with her. She doesn't understand logic. She doesn't understand reason. We've got to start with the behavior. We've got to require it, and then we can move to the heart. If you don't start with behavior at a young age, you will create a situation where they will not listen to reason. If you do not start with behavior, you will not be able to get to reason. And you will end up as one of those parents who says, I don't know how to control him or her. They're out of control. They're doing whatever they want. I'll tell you why that is. And it's because we as parents drop the ball in, in not requiring obedience as young children. The way of discipline. The way of discipline. Uh, why discipline? God commands it. It's just as simple as that. God commands it. It's loving It's loving, and it is how we correctly model God, as I've said. Hebrews 12, verse 5. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons, which says this? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises, chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. When God looks at you, what he's saying to you is he's saying, if, are you enduring discipline? Let's just let's apply this to the parents and to people without kids right now. Are you enduring discipline from God? Are you experiencing the fruit of your ways? Has, has God uh, removed something from your life? I'm not saying it's all discipline. But there are times when we go, God's disciplining me right now. Has, has someone come and confronted you? someone who's godly, have they come to you and have they uh, uh, wisely pointed out your ways and said, hey, you're gonna get yourself into trouble if you keep living this way. And have you, as, as, as an individual, have you received this? Have you received that discipline? Or is there pride and arrogance? Are you like me? much of my young adult life saying, I've got this handled, I've got this figured out. Heaping problem upon problem, and I reaped the rewards of that. God says this, I'm treating you as sons. If I don't discipline you, if you spurn the correction of God, you're missing something, and what you're missing is this. If I don't discipline you, you're not a son. You're not a daughter. If God never corrects you, that's not who you are. Let's just say it plainly. You're not a Christian. If God doesn't discipline you, if God doesn't correct you. So what we have to say is this, is that if I'm a Christian and I'm receiving discipline from God, it's hard to discern what that is, but let's just say that I, that I can understand it, and I receive discipline from God or someone uh, from my Christian community comes to me and says, you're in sin, the way that I respond proves that I understand that I'm a son and that God loves me. Now, when you respond in a way that is wrong, you spurn the correction and you say, forget you, you don't know who I am and I'm going to a different church now because they're not going to correct me. You know what you communicate to your kids? That it's right for you to spurn correction and to not listen. You are leading your children away from God. That's, this is not speaking specifically to parents. He's talking to Christians, and he's saying, I'm treating you as sons. The father disciplines his sons. And you must know this. you got to see this. He says, besides this, we have all had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Discipline is equals respect. When we discipline, we get respect. The parent who says, I'm, I'm so frustrated with my kid because they, they're disrespecting me. You're not disciplining, probably in a way that should get those results. Sure, disrespect comes and we correct it. When it is incessant, it's coming at us all the time and we refuse to deal with it, it will root in their life, and it will just root further disrespect towards you, towards the law, towards all authorities in their life. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good. God disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Listen, listen to this. God's discipline is a reflection of what our discipline should be. He disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. We discipline our children for their good. All discipline seems painful. That means that when you discipline your children, there should be pain involved. I'm going to come to that in just a second. They must feel it. They must experience it. If they don't, you're overlooking something from the scriptures. Now, you may reject the scriptures altogether, and that's your choice. But if you want to live according to the word of God, you need to understand what God sees discipline as. Discipline seems painful, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Train your kids in righteousness. That's discipline. The way of discipline continued here. Proverbs 22, verse 15, try to stay with me, uh, PowerPoint people. <laughs> Proverbs 22, verse 15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs thirteen twenty-four. whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. If you don't discipline, you don't love. If you're not diligent, like you start a program, hey, if, if you cross this line, this is what happens, and you're not diligent in that, which is very hard to be diligent. If you're not diligent, you're dropping the ball. That's, not, that's, that's confusion, that's not discipline. Proverbs 19, 18. <coughs> discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Do not set your heart on putting your son or daughter to death, either physically or spiritually. When you don't train them to receive correction, you're training them to not hear from God. Therefore, it leads to spiritual death because they refuse to hear the fact that they are sinful and that they need correction you're going to put him to death and it might even happen physically as they rebut authority and as they say forget you you're not the authority and as they say i i i don't listen to anybody it may happen spiritually it may happen physically it'll happen relationally proverbs 23:13 do not withhold discipline from a child if you strike him with a rod he will not die This is is absolutely under the assumption that you are not physically beating your children in an abusive way, but in a way that's legal, as we understand it today, in a way that's loving. I'll come back to that. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Sheol is another word for hell. Proverbs 29, verse 15, the rod and reproof, Give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 29, verse 17. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Proverbs 10:13. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. Proverbs 15, 32. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. And that is the goal of our parenting, is to get our children to listen to reproof, to listen to, hey, I see some things in your life, son or daughter. There's got to be some changes that happen. Now, let's get to the, the how here for just a, a few minutes here. Um, Baby, do you want to come up here real quick? Um, this is my wife, Chris, and uh, I've had her come up the last few weeks because we've, we're in this together, and so obviously when we've talked about submission and then uh, leadership, submission, uh, yeah, um, just kidding. Is, are we on? Yes, I think we are. I think we're come, coming on here. A um, c- couple things, uh, the how. how, how to discipline. Communication between parents is key. Get on the same page early and often. What would you say about that? What did it take for us to get on the same page with discipline in our home?
1: A lot of trial and error, <laughs> honestly. I yeah. mean, it, it took, um, I mean, especially just with our first, just being our first, I and mean, we just, we didn't know a lot. And so we had to ask and we had to study and we had to read and we had to argue and, you know, work through that, honestly, yeah. so. It takes time and it takes being willing to listen to the other person um, and get into the scripture and kind of figure out what that's going to look like
0: so. yeah yeah um, I, I felt like when we first got married like there were there were roles that you felt like you were and I don't know if this was from society or from the way that you were raised what have you we didn't talk about this I hope I'm, I'm not going to get in trouble here but um,
1: chances are good <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> just got choked up. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, there, I, I felt like there were things that, like, that had to do with the, the parenting of the children that it was hard for me to work into and say and to speak into sometimes. And I guess my question is, do you feel like that was hard for you, uh, for me, to, to speak into some things even when the 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 babies were young and things like that, was that hard to um, discuss
1: um, I think it I think it probably was at, at the beginning, and I think um, I think just especially with our first because you know a newborn they it was with me all the time and um, so I spent you know more kind of day in and day out time, and so I think I kind of thought well i'm just going to you know, I'll just do this on my own, but that was partially being, not being married for very long too, and working through that communication, but I, I think that's probably going to be different in every parenting situation, and every marriage, but I, I would say for me, probably yes, because I'm a little bit headstrong and stubborn, and um, I said it, mm-hmm. you didn't have to.
0: I started to nod, and I just, I just said not to, but, <laughs> um, but then I just said that, and it ruined it, right? Uh, <laughs>
1: We're all about being real up here, so uh, yes, I would say I would say for me personally, I think it was, but part of that had to do with my maturity, but also communication and I think uh, as as a, as a mom, especially a first time mom i was I was very protective and very uh, I, th- I think insecure too in what I was doing, and so that kind of came out in ways where I probably pushed you away um, more than than I really needed to, and so thankfully. Um, by the fourth kid, I'm like, I don't even know where they are, so <laughs> we'll just you discipline them if you can find them, but uh, <laughs> but, um, but yes, so
0: <laughs> That was a joke. Uh, I think they're
1: in kids. Emma, are they back there Yeah
0: <laughs> um, Discipline. Uh, start earlier than you think you should. Um, yeah, totally. yeah, how, how do we do this at home?
1: Um, well, I, we, did you talk about defiance yet, or am I going to skip ahead? Um, so.
0: The next one is discipline for defiance. Yes. But, okay, yes, go uh, ahead.
1: How do we do that? Uh, I mean, that for us has looked like when we see defiance come. And I hear that all the time, like, how do I know if they're little, they're tiny? How do I know? Um, I I think, I feel like I know. When you, when you see the little, I mean, my little Finley is... Uh, I don't see. I don't even know how old she is. I think she's 15 months, 16 months, and she will sit in her high chair and she'll eat food and she'll look right at me and she'll throw it on the floor, and I'll tell her no and and I'll put it back on her tray and she'll look right at me and she'll throw it on the floor, and I, I mean, we're not like, I mean, and I'll just flick her little hand and I'm not, it's not, you know, full on spankings or anything, but I feel like starting then, and she understands. Now she comes up to me and starts to flick me, which is awesome. But uh, they're smart. I They're smart young. They're very smart. I can't believe how smart they are that young. It scares me. So we're, we, when early. we start
0: early, she was probably a year old when we started that program, which is we're, we're going to discipline for defiance. Mm-hmm. We don't discipline because she's a child. Right, right. Because she's child, childish or mm-hmm. because she, you know, yeah, didn't defiance, finish her homework yes. or something. But um, because she's, you we're know, irritating. she's being defiant. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and so um, we have to understand what defiance is. Sometimes that comes across in when they get a little bit older, they understand that, like, when we talk to them and we say, these are the consequences... And so then they, they start crying, and crying comes across as it's not just sadness, but now it's I'm um, angry because you have uh, told me otherwise, and so now I'm gonna announce to the rest of the family and everybody within a mile that I'm upset. And so it, it goes on and on, and so sometimes what we'll say is you need to cry quietly. Um, we will say uh, you, need to, you need to stop crying right now. What you're doing right now is you're trying to announce to us that you're angry, and you need, need to know that you're not allowed to be angry like that. And you might say, how can you tell someone not to be angry? Well, this is discipline. And so we discipline sometimes in those ways. And sometimes it's hard to understand. You know, my daughter is certainly um, a girl. And so she's more sensitive. And so sometimes Chris is like, I will take her. And she, you know, she, um, I don't know what they do, but they uh, they talk about their feelings. And uh, apparently that helps. And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, with my sons, I just hey bro, this ends now, you're gonna stop. And uh, it works part of the time, but not all the time. Um, we don't often spank for that, but we will. Um, and some of you need to spank in some, in some areas, not in anger, not out of revenge because your ears have been hurting for an hour, but because they need to understand, and perhaps it's a, you know, a, a light spanking, but uh, they need to understand this is unacceptable and we need to move on with this. Let's keep going here. Uh, like I said, never spank in anger. It should, you should wait until you are to the point where you don't want to spank. If you're like, ah, you're winding up, you know, and you're like, eh, getting ready to, you know, do one of those. Like, just stop. Don't spank. Don't spank. It would be better not to spank than to spank in anger. Um, but when you understand the scriptures, you understand the fear of the Lord understanding that you're imparting that to them uh, through the way that you the way that you operate you need to understand that you need to come to a place take a break count to 10 do whatever you have to do and chill perhaps wait a little longer if 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 they can cognitively still understand what has happened and then spank but explain to them first I don't want to spank to spank you Use the proverbial. This is gonna hurt you more than it hurts me, All right? This <laughs> um, is this is this is me helping you understand that God wants you to be obedient, and so yeah. Anything that you'd say about that? Nope. That's great. That was perfect. Okay. Um, um, make sure that they're aware of what they're being disciplined for. Um, discipline in private, um, not in front of people. They get you know often. Um, ups- you don't want to embarrass
1: your kids, yeah, too. Yeah. I mean, I think there's going to be times where you need to take care of it right, right then and right there. And hopefully there's a private place to do it. But to not, I think that kind of goes into exasperating. Yeah. Um, but to not embarrass your kids. And for us, it's happened more when they, when they get older and things like that. So
0: Marshall's just getting into that. Um, never use, use words to discipline, meaning um, criticizing your child, uh, condemning them. All of those things. The last thing I'll say here is when your children uh, are growing up, they're in their teen years. What needs to happen is that, that you're going from breaking the will to seeing the heart change. In the teen years, you're going from discipline to influence. You're going from discipline to influence, and you want to begin to influence their lives rather than disciplining them. Hopefully you've laid the groundwork for that. Uh, sometimes you still need to do discipline as as a teen, but you need to treat your, your teenagers as though they are adults as much as possible to help them understand that they are going to be in the world at some point. If you wait until the day they leave for college and you've only treated them like a child, you've never given them responsibility, you've never had an adult conversation with them, it's always been condemning, it's always been you do this and you do that and they haven't been able to make decisions for themselves, guess what decisions they're going to make when they get older the wrong ones most likely so make sure that you are treating them as adults and here's a, a good verse for that James 3:13. who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom you are able to release more and, and release discipline more influence uh, increasingly as they come to a place where they are uh, increasingly wise as they express wisdom in the things that they were doing, and you can release as a parent on those things. So, or we'll, uh, yeah, did you have more one thing? more thing? Yeah, yeah,
1: go ahead. I just was thinking too, this morning, and I love, I think you did a really great job, I think hearing all of the scripture that talks about disciplining is, I mean, honestly, for me, it's really encouraging to know, okay, just a refresher of here. here's why we're doing what we're doing, and we want the best for our children, and I think it is really important, and I think we can Um, I mean, on a day-to-day basis, I can get lost in, like, we're arguing, I mean, about who gets a cookie, and I mean, we're just, like, just ridiculous arguments all day long, and so I think it's so important to come back to these scriptures so that we're grounded in why we're doing what we're doing, and also just the last thing, too, is to not forget the importance and the power of prayer in your child's lives. And I think for us, I think what what we have to come back to is knowing, and you said this several times, too, to know that God is the one that is going to change their hearts, and God is the one that is going to work on their hearts. And I I remember coming to a point with Reagan, our five-year-old now, and she just it has a little sassiness to her. And I remember at one point, and she, at this point, I mean, she has prayed a prayer, but I remember uh, like a year ago, she was like praying that Jesus would get out of her heart. I mean, she just is a little bit sassy, like she just anyways, true story here. We're just going to be real with you. And I just remember kind of being concerned about that. And so I just started praying about her attitude and um, and just that she would be sensitive to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit. And I've noticed a change in her over the last year. And, you know, she's still sweet and sassy, but I'm just, I just say that to encourage you because there's probably several of you here that are like, my kid is crazy crazy right now or I, and we feel like that too sometimes right yes and so just to encourage you in um being in prayer for your kids so
0: reagan's also the one that when, when we were talking about baptism um Mar- marshall said he wanted to be baptized and we said oh, okay and reagan says wait, 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 wait.
1: you're gonna ruin it go ahead you gotta give a little more little more setup than
0: that what i don't know what i'm what, what am i yeah. supposed to set up here
1: well we were talking about we were talking about why <laughs> Why you would get baptized with Marshall? And we were, Marshall had said, you know, do I have to go in there by myself? And I said, well, no. I said, well, Dad, Dad would go in there, and Dad would baptize you. And Reagan pipes up, and and you want to say it? Yeah. And
0: she says, I'ma baptize myself. (laughs) And we were like, we are really in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) We are in trouble. Prayers Um,
1: intensified. So
0: we're we're gonna run a little bit late. We have a quick video. We're gonna partake of communion, and we're probably gonna do a song, uh, real quick. And so, two, just hang with on. us for just a couple minutes, and, uh, and and we'll finish up. I'm sorry this went a little bit late, but uh, it's important. So we could have spent about five weeks on this, but uh, we'll uh, we'll keep it at one for now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're what you're doing in our lives. We we ask that you would cause us to be parents and children who are living in the fear of the Lord. Lord, I, I pray for our parents, Lord, that you'd give them courage to discipline, uh, courage uh, to exercise what you've called them to do, to have, have them do that in love and care for their child because they love the child, because they want to see them, see things go well with them, uh, because they honor the Lord. Lord, I pray for this so much for our church, for your people here. It's in your name we pray. Uh, amen.